Hello, and welcome everyone to Sacred Balance. I'm your host, Jui Rami. Sacred Balance is a special space created for seekers where we come together to explore deeper dimensions of life and share spectacular stories of people who are avidly seeking that balance while thriving and tasting magic of life and all its possibilities. So come join us and together, let's make it happen. Is the aspect of exploration ingrained into every person? Do we need to cultivate seeking? Or do we need to have a reason to begin our quest? In stillness, do we gain insight and clarity to what is organic in human life? In this week's episode, Trent Navron gives us a detailed account of his search for personal truth and how stumbling on technology for well-being changed his life. How are you? Doing very well. It's great to connect with you. Absolutely. Our pleasure here at Sacred Balance Podcast. And we are so grateful that you made time while you're traveling around India to talk with us. Of course. My pleasure. So having lived in so many places and, uh, you know, as you are currently in India during lockdown and pandemic, how do you find that sacred balance of feeling at home everywhere while exploring the thrill of traveling around the world? Hmm. I think the concept of home varies person to person. For me, it's uh, not a place, a physical place, but more a state of being. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, being at home is, is, is being balanced, being equanimous, uh, feeling joyful within myself so that whatever I do around me um, ends up being meaningful. And yeah. I think as I travel, having um, my, my spiritual practice, my meditation and yoga practice gives mm-hmm. me that sense of, um, I, I guess I would say, inner, inner balance and belonging. Um, yeah. So being here at the ashram, I've, I've been coming here since um, I first took inner engineering in 2012. And wow. there's something about this space that has always felt more like home than just mm-hmm. about any other space I've been to in the world. And uh, it has, I'm sure there's so many factors I could go into, but um, yeah, when it comes to finding that balance, it's, it's about reaching a certain state within myself and also seeking out spaces that are, that are conducive, that are supportive um, for yeah. my group. Yeah. And as you were a young person growing up, how, how did you feel about all of these things that you were learning and evolving and tell us a little bit about your childhood sure sure so i grew up in cleveland ohio mm-hmm. uh, my father is originally from iran uh, mm-hmm. my mother uh, is american with um, you know, european uh, ethnicity and i think growing up there were always more questions than answers i, I grew up in a household that really f- um, fostered Mm-hmm. a multicultural outlook. And um, I had the chance to uh, travel quite a bit uh, with, mm-hmm. with my family. We, we visited relatives um, in Europe, in Iran. Um, and I think when it came to answering the big questions in, in mm-hmm. life, 
my mother would very gladly take me to church if I wanted to join her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, who's, who's not really religious or spiritual, uh, would, would happily <laughs> entertain my questions from a, a scientific or historical lens. Yeah. And, um, it very quickly became clear to me that I, um, I would need to seek my own truth. I would need to pursue my questions in my own way and, and look for um, answers, look for teachers, uh, look for perspectives that resonated. And when I look back on that, I just feel really grateful that I had such an open um, setting for, mm-hmm. for seeking. Yeah, that's quite a tremendous way of putting this. It's, mm. it's really, really cool. So as as a musician, you know that so much of the creative process is a gift of the unknown. Mm. And yet you have the power and the tune of frequency as a flute player. Yeah. Have, how have you attuned yourself with that tune of frequency? Mm. And and how do you play with life as you play with music? Wow. Hmm. Tuning myself with that frequency. It, it's so fascinating to look back on my mm-hmm. journey with music. Um, when I was really young, my, my parents encouraged it, and I had the chance to take violin lessons and then piano lessons, and then mm-hmm. that wasn't really working. Then I learned uh, classical guitar, which I still play. And then when it came to joining an orchestra or band, I, I learned flute. And why I mentioned that, that trajectory is because it was always taught in a, in a very certain way, learning from books, learning you know the fundamentals of rhythm, of tune, um, of course, reading music and, and composition, but something very distinct um, shifted within me and within my practice of music um, when I started playing music with, with Isha Foundation. There, there's mm. a group of musicians, um, a collective that's referred to as Sounds of Isha. And mm-hmm. when I started to look at music as an offering, when I started to look at music as, as a means for setting an ambiance. Mm. Um, it, mm-hmm. it was less about performing, less about um, technical prowess, and it was more about cultivating an atmosphere of meditativeness, of, of, mm-hmm. of um, you know, seeking beauty from within. That completely tr- changed the way I looked at music. And, and when you ask the question about you know, tuning into uh, mm-hmm. that process, that's when it really became something profound for me because I realized that as I played in that way, as I offered myself through sound, through mm-hmm. flute, through guitar, it was very powerful and profound for me. I felt um, incredible states of meditativeness, of beauty, of bliss. And I could see around me that mm-hmm. uh, people who were coming to programs, people who were learning yoga and meditation in, in these settings where we were performing music mm-hmm. um, were deeply touched by, by, by the sound we were offering to them. And many of them would come up and say um, how integral of a role music played in their in their own inner journey. So that's definitely one, one big factor of, of, of a shift um, yeah. in how I experience music. And then when you talk about playing with life, that's <laughs> such a uh, <laughs> wonderful question. I feel like I'll have to ponder that some more, but um, th- there's something about shifting from looking at music about uh, looking at music as this very controlled phenomenon. It's all about following the, the tune, the tempo, the key signature, and being very technically accurate. It was all about control mm-hmm. to shifting to a sense of playfulness, a sense of experimentation. Um, it, it's almost like my journey of seeking found expression through um, playing flute and guitar, where I, I was seeking uh, new, new forms of music, new forms of sound, and mm-hmm. uh, trying to create something unique when I could. 
um, mm-hmm. or otherwise just trying to create something absolutely playful, absolutely um, inviting for others to, to participate and involve themselves in, in the music that was being uh, produced, as opposed to something that was more rigid and conforming to, again, that kind of technical aspect of music, which is no longer something I, I am I'm attached to. Mm-hmm. And how, how does the feminine play part in your creative process? Hmm. So I think it, it, it's, it's, let me think about this. After coming to, to the practice of yoga and hearing how mm-hmm. Sadhguru talks about the masculine and feminine, I, I understand these two um, words as, as phenomena. And um, when I think about the feminine, it, it's not just about, um, you know, a, a body type or anything like that, but rather a full dimension of um, tapping into various characteristics, whether it's intuition, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's creativity, whether it's playfulness, whether mm-hmm. it's a more nurturing aspect of, of the human experience. So for me, tuning into the feminine and, and being aware of that dimension, um, it means, again, looking at music as, as something that can nurture, looking mm-hmm. at music as something that can um, create almost a, a motherly atmosphere that, yeah. that people feel welcome, that makes people feel um, invited to be authentic, invited to simply be and yeah. to simply be themselves. And uh, so what is a parallel, you would say, about making music and living bliss- blissfully, like living in the moment and being open to life that all it has to offer? How do you play with that hmm. through music? So I think um, my, my understanding of meditation has, has mm-hmm. gotten to a point where I realize that it, it's not about what you do, but it's how you are. It's about mm-hmm. being completely involved with wh- whatever it is you're doing, whether you're jogging, whether you're writing, whether you're sitting there and doing absolutely nothing. Um, and so for me, music is, is that way of becoming incredibly rooted in this present moment, um, mm-hmm. completely attuned to the fellow musicians that the people I'm playing with and trying yeah. to create something with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, um, the process of, of creating music and offering music becomes something that, that deeply roots me to, to the present moment and to the people around me, whether it's fellow musicians, whether it's the audience. Um, and, and, and that for me becomes uh, you know, this, this act of complete involvement, this act of, of complete investment in what I'm doing, which yeah. I think varies person to person. But for me, it, it, music happens to be one of those keys. Mm-hmm. So I, after listening to you talk about music, I can't wait to hear all the things that you've played. With. <laughs> <laughs> so Happy my listeners and I would like to know um, where we could find some of that music, that magic that you make, and where can we listen to it? <laughs> So um, only recently have I started, you know, creating music and, and sharing it in a mm-hmm. more public way. Usually this, this might happen in, in a meditation program mm-hmm. where, where nothing's really recorded or it might just happen with, with friends and it's just kind of done in a very free-spirited way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on my Instagram, I've, I've recently posted um, a, a session I did with a, a yoga teacher where mm-hmm. she invited me to make a sound offering during this time, during this pandemic, and with, with so many other things happening, including um, a major striving for, for racial 
justice in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, being in solidarity with people in other countries, including migrant laborers mm-hmm. um, here in India. So it, w- it was a beautiful half-hour session um, that, that, that's available on Instagram, and, and there's also some music I posted afterwards. And then, completely unrelated, mm-hmm. I became very interested in composing music wow. uh, and creating creating music. Mm-hmm. So it's a very amateur project, but uh, on, on my iPad, which is one of the only pieces of technology I brought with me <laughs> here to the Yoga Center, I just started getting familiar with GarageBand and uh-huh. was amazed at just how much the technology has evolved, the amount mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. digital instruments they have, the amount of um, pre-recorded loops, as they call it. Mm-hmm. So I created a, a small music project on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And I, I called it Amaya, which in Sanskrit means um, that which is uh, free from deceit, that which is free of illusion. Mm-hmm. And ended up just creating, I messed around with almost every genre available on GarageBand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hip, hip-hop instrumental, chill electronic, some jazz and funk. So I have uh, eight to ten tunes that I've, I've posted on, on SoundCloud and shared with family and friends. And uh, while I wasn't, you know, trying to take it too seriously, it ended up surprising me how um, uh, how beautiful an expression it, it became and, and how much um, people I shared it with enjoyed uh-huh. it. Yeah, what a beautiful offering. We can't <laughs> wait to listen to it. <laughs> Happy to share. So, so much of our journey as human beings is a consistent quest from moving from untruth to truth. Hmm. And in that process, what fuels your drive and thirst as you explore this deeper possibility and journey of seeking your truth? Hmm. So I must admit, I've been quite a science enthusiast throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. And when I attended university, my, my major focus was neuroscience. Mm-hmm. So I've really enjoyed bridging uh, the worlds of, of neuroscience and empirical research with that of the inner journey, the subjective dimension of meditation. Mm-hmm. And something that really has driven me for years is recognizing that, you know, in this brain we have with billions of, of neurons, mm-hmm. um, the number of potential ways those neurons can connect, the number of potential states your brain can exist in is infinite or, or nearly infinite. And it always just made me inspired to think, how, what are all the different ways I can exist as a human being? And, yeah. um, you know, the brain isn't necessarily um, all there is, right? There, there are probably many other ways of, of describing human experience, but this was one way where I could, you know, mathematically motivate myself to see there, there are so many ways I can exist as a human being. And if I just go through this existence focusing on survival, focusing on accumulation, um, not that those are, are good or bad, but they just struck me as, as awfully limited. So true. when I think about, Very when true. I think about yeah. seeking, seeking truth, it's about seeking the vastness of what it means to be human. Mm. Um, the more I, I go into... Um, this path of, of seeking and meditating, the more I see that th- there may not be a, a cut and fixed purpose for, for what this life is, but rather um, to just live as, as vibrantly and as expansively as possible. What really drives me is to, to make this, this finite and brief amount of time that I have in this life to, to, to explore and to live um, in a state of... Um, connection, a state of vibrance and aliveness. And um, I think that for me has, has, has never run out of fuel looking at, looking at it through that perspective. Yeah. And as an expert of neuroscience, what does the latest <laughs> research say about meditation and the brain? <laughs> so 
no PhD, so I, I will not claim any expertise, but I do, I do see myself as, as a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. and neuroscience has, has remained um, an area where I, where I love examining mm-hmm. um, the latest research and all of its intersections with, right. with so many areas of our life. And there is no shortage of, of really exciting work being done, whether it's through um, EEG studies or fMRI studies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, what I've seen, um, and this is some of the research done in collaboration with meditators who practice Isha Yoga, but also you know, many, many other traditions and techniques, whether it's mindfulness techniques or Buddhist meditation, there are so many areas of the brain that benefit from uh, an inner practice from a contemplative practice, mm-hmm. and whether it's um, an increased attention span, whether it's you know deactivating parts of the brain that take you out of this present moment that that force you into the past or future, mm-hmm. um, whether it's increased levels of, of BDNF, uh, right. brain-derived neurotropic factor. Um, so many uh, you know neurotransmitters and molecules are being looked at that we know are good for long-term brain health, long-term. Um, overall health and longevity, mm-hmm. and there are many, many studies uh, that are that are shown that are showing us that the, the correlations are just um, very numerous. Doing a simple 21-minute practice can, um, you know, increase um, many different types of molecules that create a positive experience uh, throughout the body. Um, right. And when I look at these things, it, it's I know that probably those who teach these these practices will laugh and say that, you know, you can tell this just from doing the practice. But on another hand, it, it is um, really exciting to see there be a neural signature, uh, a physiological signature of these practices. Yeah. And I think that that area of exploration is just getting started. I think there's going to be mm-hmm. so many more developments that show more about um, neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. so being able to reconfigure the, the, the wiring of your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine being able to come out of certain mindsets or even clinical diagnoses uh, of psychological states or, or neurological states, being able to, to change the wiring so that yeah. you can experience life in a fresh way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more is going to come out in that area. And as a seeker, what is your relationship with the mind? You know, often we try to control it, you know, and there are mindful meditations everywhere. How do you approach your mind as a seeker mm. and a meditator? There's a, a quote I c- came across a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. the human condition lost in thought. <laughs> this, this really struck me because I didn't want this to be my condition. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to approach the mind as this amazing gift mm-hmm. from, from evolution uh, as, as a very powerful tool, mm-hmm. but something that I, I wish to use when I want to use it, not something that is constantly pulling me into memories, pulling me into an anticipation of the future. Uh, it, it's not that there's something wrong with remembering the past. It's not that there's something wrong with getting ready and getting excited about the future, but I, I really wanted to be able to control um, when that happens and to, to, to also be able to quiet the mind and yeah. just experience the immensity of of this moment uh, of of what's there right now and um i there there are times in my journey where i would <laughs> insult the mind and try to cast away the mind and see it as this huge impediment and i've realized that that only <laughs> yeah. flares it up that much more so it, it's taken uh lots of experimentation lots of patience and lots of um I guess self-compassion to see that this is something that will always be with me, but mm-hmm. that when I achieve a certain distance from the mind, that's when I experience 
the most profound states I've, I've, ever, I've ever experienced, um, states of, of connection, states of love, states of intensity. Mm-hmm. So I see the mind as something that um, can be a trap. It can be a powerful tool. It can also be something that we develop a relationship with where it's, it's there when we need it to be. And otherwise, it takes a backseat for something more profound to, uh, to manifest. That's definitely true. Yeah. And as you have been inner-engineered, how are you mm. using that technology to mm. achieve this in, in, in your life and the process mm. of it? Yeah, so I've been practicing um, the, the, the meditation technique taught in inner-engineering for now um, eight years. Mm. And what I love about it is that it's something that supports me in virtually every context I'm in whether I'm working mm-hmm. at a, an artificial intelligence startup, whether I'm volunteering for a yoga program, whether I'm uh, creating or, or offering music, whether I'm trying to tune in more, more to the people around me, my friends, my family, mm-hmm. uh, people that I meet. I, I notice that this, this technology allows me to be um, more attuned to the environment around me, um, have higher levels of energy, mm-hmm. um, so much of it is hard to put into words. It almost it feels like it, it could cheapen the experience, but I, I constantly look for the words because they, they do help me keep track of the growth. Yeah. And when, when I reflect, when I journal, I see that this technology um, has transformed me in, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when I look at my daily life, when I look at um, the, the efforts I lend myself to, um, the interactions that I have, I just notice a higher level of presence, wow. a higher level of involvement in whatever I'm doing. And it's almost like I was operating at a lower voltage mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier. And when I did this, uh, when, when I took engineering, I was, I was just finished my, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the voltage of just everything was, was amplified. I would look at nature and see more green, see more hues, different shades mm-hmm. of color. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would be in classes, I felt um, more invested and, and less willing to tune out and you know hop, hop online on social media. Mm-hmm. I just felt that um, there was there was a stronger calling I saw in life to to just be more um, uh, m- more invested, more alive, more yeah. uh, uh, engaged with what I was doing. And that the benefit of that is that that it benefits me in, in literally every every sphere. Um, having a higher level of intensity, mm-hmm. having a higher level of, of investment um, just means whatever I'm doing, it's, it's, it's more, um, it, it's a more rewarding experience. It mm-hmm. typically is a more uh, fruitful experience. And it's something that I, I can look back on and enjoy being that much more um, attuned to and, and invested in. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned about journaling and writing down your experiences, as as we move on this journey, what do you think is still missing? Hmm. What is still missing in this journey? Well, uh, <laughs> Sadhguru recently uh, had a quote that, that talked about how a spiritual seeker uh, will be ruthless with themselves and you know infinitely compassionate with those around them. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes resonate with that. Maybe not ruthless, but always looking for new ways to um, deepen my experience, always, always looking for ways to be um, 
just just cultivating a more profound experience of life. And yeah. I, I will definitely admit that there are still many times where I see the mind making all of its calculations, mm-hmm. uh, planning all sorts of things, and, and oftentimes taking me out of, um, of, of what I'm seeking to do, whether it's meditating, whether it's simply um, being present to, to what is around me. So I think the ability to tune out mental chatter and simply exist as life, mm-hmm. that's something that um, I really want to continue to cultivate. It's something that is probably a lifelong <laughs> optimization, yeah. but it's something that I, I continually want to um, uh, deepen. Yeah. And then, um, you know, this is something that I, 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 I didn't really believe or disbelieve. Maybe there was some healthy skepticism around it, but the idea that there is as there is a physical body, that there's also an energy body. Um, this is something that through meditation, through different programs with Isha, um, I've become very open to to this notion of prana or mm-hmm. in, in different traditions, chi. And um, I'm very curious about gaining a deeper understanding and control over these energies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think there are many things that I want to continue to explore further. Um, another area would be the, the area of mortality. Mm. Um, I think this is something that tends to be shunned yeah. that we run away from. Yeah. It can be a very scary topic because I think when we all look at it, we will have to admit that we know very little about death beyond yes. maybe the physiological signature of death. So trying to gain more insight into, uh, my mortality, um, what happens during death, what happens after death, how can certain insights motivate me to be that much more um, engaged with life? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are many questions there that I just want to seek more deeply and maybe even gain uh, experiential insight into. There, there are teachers who talk about dying before you die, right? yeah. having a deep confrontation of one's mortality and how when you do that, so much of your life uh, can be enhanced and then when it comes to finally entering that, that, that last stage of life, uh, one can find potentially a deep sense of peace, a deep sense of acceptance. Mm-hmm. So this is another area I think is still uh, ripe for more seeking, for more uh, Yeah. And you know, Sadhguru talks about just the moment before you fall asleep, if you can be aware of that moment, so mm. much can be possible in life as yes. well as death. Have you played yes. with and experimented with something like that? Because that's something I play with all the time. And I, I wonder about playing with techniques like that. What kind of techniques yeah. like that do you play with along with music? <laughs> mm, yeah, well, now, now I'm curious to see what it's like for you experimenting in that, in that final moment before uh, falling asleep. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, especially being here where, the, you know, in the, in the yoga center, I have such a focus on these, on these techniques and on this experimentation I have played with that to an extent, and uh, <laughs> it seems very elusive to me, mm-hmm. but I, I have to say that uh, th- there's been a few times where it seems like there was some some consciousness still there um, mm-hmm. at, the, at the moment of falling asleep, and um, I still don't know what to make of it, but it seems like there is just an enormous burst of energy that happened in me uh, mm-hmm. at one time when, when I did this, and uh, I, it's something that I, 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 continue, I, I just need to keep... Uh, looking at and experimenting with, but it seems like to remain conscious when entering that state of, mm-hmm. of, of sleep can maybe present a whole new uh, playground for, yeah. for, uh, for inquiry and for looking at, at one's mind. Because typically when we fall asleep, I guess we 
we probably lose that discriminatory mind and we're kind of just rehashing past events and, yeah. and floating through through different uh, mental constructs. So um, I think it's an, it's an amazing and simple technique that's, that's offered. Mm-hmm. In terms of what other uh, techniques I am I'm, uh, experimenting with uh, or incorporating mm-hmm. on a daily, daily basis, I, I find myself just taking more pauses throughout the day, closing my eyes, tuning into the, the inhalation and exhalation, mm-hmm. and finding that those moments of stillness, mm-hmm. those moments of silence, are really anything but still or anything but silent. There's something very um, powerful that, that comes into my experience when I, when I slow myself down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like um, there's a recharge taking place or there's um, almost like a, a retuning that's taking place where I'm, I'm more in touch with the phenomena, mm-hmm. um, the phenomenon of life. So it's, again, something very simple of just... Um, taking a few moments, maybe a few times a day, and just paying attention to this, this, uh, this very tender, very fragile, mm-hmm. yet somehow continuous inhalation and exhalation, and noticing that the attention and investment I make there um, creates a subtle yet powerful experience. Yeah. Uh, very much uh, enjoyed going into that more deeply. Indeed. In your quest for truth that you talked about, how has yeah. it impacted your relationships? Because we all have families and relationships and, um, you know, things uh, with outsiders are always a little bit different than what it is with, with our intimate relationships. And mm. when we are on the path and we're seeking actively and avidly, uh, things, uh, you know, always happen and we're always speculating and learning a lot of things about ourselves as seekers. Mm. Any, yes. Anything that you would like to share on, in that arena? You know, um, this, this past year, 2019, mm-hmm. was um, a huge <laughs> deep dive into allowing my own truth to find expression with those around me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I, when I look back on earlier chapters of my life, I, I very often valued harmony at the expense of truth. Sometimes yeah. I would rather be accommodating and, you know, provide solace to those around me. And many, many times, maybe uh, potentially not be honest about what I was thinking, what I was experiencing, what I was perceiving. Mm-hmm. It might have been uh, with a parent going through, you know, a challenge in, in their own life and their career. Mm-hmm. It might have been a close friend. Um, having having challenges in, in an intimate relationship mm-hmm. uh, in my life, um, it was definitely um, related to very close relationships mm-hmm. where I saw um, the need for change, the need for um, honesty. Yeah, and I think that was something that was really important to to see and integrate into my life, which is if I'm on the path of, of practicing yoga and meditation and and trying to move closer to truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to allow that to, to, to be the case in my interactions and in my daily interactions and in my, my most significant relationships. Yeah. And I've noticed that being very truthful need not mean uh, being very blunt, being very harsh. There, there yeah. can be a compassionate way of being honest with those around me. And I've noticed so many times that when I slow down and, and, and value being compassionately honest as opposed to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, harmonious and maybe 
uh, sugarcoating things. The, per- the person that I'm interacting with appreciates it must much, much more. Mm-hmm. They might feel some of the pain of that honesty because it might shed light on something that they've been ignoring. But if it's made with this, this intention to, to simply expose truth to, to that other person, um, so far I've seen no situation in which um, that should be avoided. I think uh, I've, yeah. I've looked at myself in the past and seen um, a Mr. Nice Guy, and I've realized mm-hmm. that being honest with someone is, is far more um, meaningful for me now than, than being nice to them just for the sake of, of being accommodating. So that was a, a major thing that I um, explored last year for, for many different reasons. Yeah. And um, I value the growth that it's brought into my life and also the congruity that it's brought into my life mm-hmm. because I felt like that was a missing link. Yeah. If I wasn't being tactfully uh, truthful with people around me, that, that that somehow was impeding my own growth. And people around you as well, right? Because we could yes. be enablers. Yes, yeah. that's so true. Yeah. So what is your ultimate goal in life, Trent? And how are you using the inner engineering technology to achieve it? How are you continuously engineering yourself is my question. Hmm. So I think my, my ultimate goal, my ultimate objective is to live this life mm-hmm. as joyfully, exuberantly um, as possible and find a way to, to rub rub that off onto, onto people around me, to inspire others around me mm-hmm. to um, feel that uh, motivation, to feel that calling. It's less about some particular purpose because I think the world is changing. I am continually evolving. Yeah. It's not about a particular objective, although I, I do feel inspired by um, many missions around me, whether it's raising human consciousness, uh, caring more for the planet, uh, transforming our educational system. Mm-hmm. But I think fundamentally it's about living at my peak and, and enabling, empowering others to um, explore living at their peak. And I, I recognize that there are many different paths um, that, that one can take to reach their, reach their peak. But for me, this is, this is what I'm constantly focusing on. And it's, it's general enough where I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a goal that I can bring with me in, in any context. But it's also, it's so fundamental. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's something for me that um, I... I, I feel constantly um, self-critical. Am I living at my fullest potential? Am I, am I um, you know, finding ways to grow the, um, in an optimal way? And when I look at how I'm continuously engineering myself, mm-hmm. how I'm using these techniques I've learned, it's, it's just that. It's, it's using these techniques to continually um, reach a higher state of intensity, a higher state of creativity, mm-hmm. a higher state of inclusiveness. Yeah. And um, sometimes these, these terms can be very vague, but when I look at situations I'm confronted with, how I behave in those situations, it becomes very clear uh, which direction I'm, I'm moving in. Yeah. And um, I see these, these uh, technologies as a way to um, continually move it in the right direction, to continually fast track my growth and to be part of the solution, part of um, you know, an evolution of, of consciousness where people are... Um, just more conscious about how they are, how they interact, yeah. how they use resources um, on this planet, um, what kind of impact and legacy they're leaving. So um, it's definitely an ongoing, ever-evolving process, but yeah. I, I can see a very clear link between my daily practice of yoga and meditation and how it brings me closer to um, 
reaching a more intense, a more vibrant way of being. And what's that one thing that's still missing that you'd like to get there? And, you know, you're avidly seeking and pursuing to make that happen. So I would say um, there have been many programs mm-hmm. where I have felt kind of a complete cessation of thought, uh, just complete involvement with the nature around me, the, the people in front of me, whatever meditative processes we're going through. And there's part of me that yearns to have that ability to just tune in that, into that dimension at will and be able to, um, you know, be rooted in, in the now without any, any need for distraction or any, mm-hmm. any being pulled um, outside of that situation. And I feel like um, that that is something that is improving in my life. Mm-hmm. But if, that, if, if I could snap my fingers yeah. <laughs> and have a certain ability, ability granted to me, it would be that ability to be 100% um, present to, mm. to the life process as it, as it unfolds. Yeah. And that's um, in the setting around me, the environment around me, the people around me, the activity I'm doing. Yeah. I find that it's uh, quite easy to allow things to become habitual, to allow things to become an unconscious process. And um, I think in many ways our, our mind... Um, has, has evolved for some of those things that take place, mm-hmm. but there's also part of us that can continually be brought to a state of, of being very conscious in what we do, to be very um, present in what we do. And I think that's where the juice of life awaits. Mm-hmm. And you have been on this journey for the last seven years, and uh, you've actively you know been seeking and playing with all the possibilities this technology has to offer but some of our listeners uh, may just be taking that step toward the inner journey and uh, just that first step for someone who's listening right now what would you say to someone who's just beginning Hmm. I think it's the the small habits that we repeat Actually, let me, let me try that again. It, it's the small practices mm-hmm. that we incorporate into our life on a daily basis that mm-hmm. um, can really compound and become something incredibly valuable. So whether it's um, setting a timer and, and just closing, closing your eyes for five minutes, watching your breath, watching your, your mental chatter, and just being an observer to it, being a witness to it, mm-hmm. that simple five-minute practice, whether... Um, you do it at work, whether you do it in your home, whether it's in nature, whether it's in the cacophony of, uh, you know, uh, a downtown setting, simply creating that priority and mm-hmm. creating that, that simple practice um, will grow um, yeah. and will, will blossom into something that is very deep and very rewarding. Yeah. And of course, from there, wh- when, when we're taking time to, to simply be, not think, not plan, not regret, not anticipate, mm-hmm. simply be and observe and perceive, um, that becomes a stepping stone to so many other uh, techniques that can be learned, that can be taught. Um, so I would encourage anyone who's listening to, to uh, take, take the time and, and just ask yourself sincerely, um, is there a benefit for me to, to, to maybe create some distance from my mind and, and create a few minutes a day where I um, simply sit and, and, and look at 
at what's going on in my mind, be an observer, watch my breath mm-hmm. and, and see what happens. And I think after a few sincere attempts, um, you'll notice that there's a heightened state of awareness and energy. There's a state of feeling refreshed. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the neuroscience, there yeah. are many, many studies that show that that far outweighs a cup of coffee and, and, and prevents you from being, of course, uh, jittery and facing the side effects of caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I think t- creating a tiny uh, yet, yet meaningful practice each day mm-hmm. um, and, and allowing that to be a stepping stone to um, a more advanced technique uh, of, of meditation uh, would be a great, great way to start. Yeah. And your experience of this technology in one word, if you had to share with us, inner engineering is a technology in one word. How would you describe it? I would describe it as vast. Wow. I'm happy to explain that that word choice. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'm still digesting that. That's quite beautiful. That's really wonderful. If yeah, I miss I just... something that I didn't touch upon, and if you wish to share with our listeners, we are all ears and we would love to hear it. Sure. I think I'll just I'll just um, clarify that um, why I use the word vast yeah. is because a technology can be applied in so many settings. It's mm-hmm. multidimensional. It's, it's dynamic. It's something that um, serves its purpose in, in any scenario that one finds themselves in. So when I think about all the ways it's contributed to me, there's, there are a few words that can, can truly encapsulate it because um, it's infinite in what, in what it can, can offer and yeah. how it can enhance one's quality of life. So... Um, yeah, I would just share that um, taking time to examine one's life, to examine ways in which we can live more deeply, um, more profoundly, is is a lifelong venture that um, presents such a huge return on that investment yeah. of life, that re- investment of time and energy. So um, I would I would just encourage everyone to find their own their own way. Um, towards seeking truth and to seeking uh, balance. Wow. Trent, you are quite a treasure of information and experiences <laughs> that we would listen to you for hours. But we thank, thank you, you for, for your time that. as you are in your travels and your journey. And we are truly, truly grateful that you made this happen and for our listeners. Thank you for coming on to Sacred Balance. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Jude. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hello, and thank you for listening to our show today. You can find out more about Sacred Balance, technology of inner engineering, our guest, and the topics covered from the show notes attached to the series and the episode. We would appreciate your balanced feedback on the ratings and the review section. Until next time, a world full of love, light, and laughter. Let's make it happen.